That's good stuff, amen? Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. It's good to have everybody in the house of the Lord this morning, <clears throat> even when you're sick, even when you're sick. I, I, how many of y'all know the Lord? Anybody know the Lord in here? That's suspect. Raise your hand. I want to see you. Don't be ashamed. Amen. How many of y'all have talked with him lately? All right. Now you're lying. Amen. Come on. All right. Now here, here I need you to pray for me. I, I, I woke up this morning pretty under the weather. Been, been sick this week. Yesterday I felt good. I said, yeah, we'll be in good shape. But I, I don't know what it is, but it's all good. It's all good. We got This is the last go around. Say amen right there. I have held off on, on, on uh, medicine because uh, when I take medicine, I stutter. <clears throat> and we wouldn't never get out of here, amen, because <laughs> uh, I stutter enough. But anyway, I want you to pray for me and pray that the, the message is really intense. It's a, it's a, I think it's a perfect perfect message to kick the year off uh to get it off with a bang and get it off uh the way he'd have us to get it and uh but i, I think it all, god knows what we need when we need it amen so y'all pray for me but before we do we've got uh, uh becca's here today she's gonna share a word of uh what she's been doing in the dominican and uh she's thankful for your support and your prayers and your encouragement and uh uh y'all let becca know you're glad to see her this morning amen <laughs> opportunity to work in several different ministries, but um, the one that I chose to pick was a girls' orphanage, and um, they've come from rough homes, and some of them still have parents, and some of them don't, but um, we've been able to um, teach them English, and there's a lot of them who still don't know how to read or anything like that in Spanish, so we've had to um, teach them how to read in Spanish, and then with the ones who already know how to read and stuff, we go ahead and teach them English. Um, but I get to work with, there's about 50 girls, um, but there's four girls, there's me and three other ones who, um, who help. So we don't get to teach all of them English and a lot of them are younger. Um, but at, now that we've built the relationships this semester, we're hoping to start a Bible study and like a small group next semester. Um, that way they'll get more of the gospel. And I get to do that every Monday. And then we also have the opportunity to go to different villages. And we get to invite them to church and just sit and talk with them a little bit and build more relationships there. And we've had um, some vacation Bible schools that we've invited the kids to in the villages. And um, there's also thought of this. Um, they, in one of the villages, they, they didn't have running water. But the church finally got the money raised to put a, I don't know what you would call it, but well. like a well, yeah, a well in there. <laughs> and um, they have running water now. So that's praise God. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I've learned being there is that I can't rely on my own strength to get anything done or myself. I have to surrender my fears and all my worries to the Lord daily, not just one time, but sure. daily. And um, so I just thank you for all of your prayers and your support because it's really been encouraging and it's helped. And um, thank you. Hey, tell them about the, the, the one you said in the first service, about the one you're planning on focusing on. Oh, yeah. On. Um, in the, the girls' orphanage, there's a little girl that I've become attached to, and she's eight years old, I think. And... Um, I've gotten, I teach her English, and um, 
I've gotten to pray with her a little bit and talk with her. Um, I'm very limited because I don't know a lot of Spanish, so I could only go so far. Um, but I have been able to um, talk with her about God a little bit, and we even got to pray together. And um, But I was praying, like I got discouraged because I didn't know that much Spanish, so how am I supposed to um, lead her to the Lord if I can't even speak her language? Well, this morning the Lord just spoke to me through worshiping. Um, he told me that he's going to help me get there. I just have to trust him. And so you go. All right. All right. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter number one. Uh, and while you're turning, let me let me remind everybody uh, just a couple couple of things, being in a tent and all, and uh, we're all close in here. Say amen. Close. I mean, when you're sitting over there, you can see straight across and all that. So let's, let's remember, uh, be careful with your drinks on the ground uh, because it's on a slanted concrete floor and, and whatever lands there will be at the altar directly. Say amen. And you will baptize everything on the way. Amen. So be careful with your drinks and, and, and all that because if somebody... Uh, feels a cold feeling on their feet, they're going to think it's the Lord. Amen. <laughs> or maybe maybe coffee. It, well, anyway, anyway, anyway. So just just be careful with your drinks there. And, and, and also remember, if you have small children with you, uh, just remember there's people around you. There's people around you. So if you're playing with them and holding them up, uh, don't forget there's 20 people around you that are getting distracted too. So, so, so help us with that and make sure we want you to get something, but we want those around you to get something too. Amen. Amen. And all God's people said so, Hebrews chapter number one, uh, I, 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 really, I really am needing your prayer today. I, I am totally out of oxygen. I, I, have, I have been uh, on these cough drops and all this kind of stuff, so pray that we can get through this. What, whatever way uh, uh, that we can make this happen, we need to make this happen because this message is so important. I, I want to I tell you the story of Hebrews and then tell you what God's trying to tell us, okay? Uh, sometimes we can take a Bible story and it can only mean just a history lesson of what happened way back then. And, and I want to share what that means, but I want to share what happened way back then pertains to right now, if that makes sense, amen? Because I don't need to just know more Bible stuff or more uh, Bible information. I need something that's going to help me stay off crack tomorrow. I'm going to need something that's going to help me treat my wife better this week. I'm going to need something that's going to help me be what God intends for me to be. And listen, that's why we come. We do not come just to uh, be entertained. We do not come just to be educated. We come to be changed. Amen. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. So here we are with the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is the, the writer is speaking to uh, Jewish believers. Jewish Christians, Hebrew Christians who have, who have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they are followers of the Lord, and here they are on their journey with the Lord. Uh, now, the Lord's already in heaven, so this is, this is like second-generation Christians. Uh, these people have been led to the Lord by those who walked with the Lord. If that makes sense, say amen. So here they are. They're, they're, they're living their life. They're trying to follow Jesus. And, and at the time of this writing... The temple was, was still intact. The temple was still in operation. Uh, they were still offering sacrifices. They were still doing all of the ceremonial worship, if you will. And here's what began to take place. They began to persecute Christians, those who were of the old Jewish way, the old lifestyle, the old Juda Jewish uh, religion, if you will, Judaism. They began to persecute Christians. 
They begin to uh, do everything they could to stop Christians. And what began to happen is that many Christians started falling back to what they used to be. Instead of going on with grace, instead of going on with faith, they started going back to Judaism and going back to an old way of living. If, if that makes sense, say amen. So they started going back toward the temple. And what, what the writer of Hebrews is trying to do is to convince these people that where they are is better than where they've been. That the life with Jesus is better than the old way of Judaism. He begins to tell them that Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than Moses. Listen, the new covenant is better than the old covenant. Faith is a better principle and a better way. So throughout all of the book of Hebrews, he is trying to convince these Jewish believers who had a tendency to fall back that where they are is better than where they've been. If that makes sense, say amen. So what began to happen is they begin to fall by the wayside. We like to use the word in Baptist circles, backslide. Backslide or being backslidden, going back. Amen? Uh, going back. They begin to uh, fail to show up to church. The Bible said they begin to forsake the assembling of themselves together. Uh, they, were, they were not progressing in their Christian walk. They were not maturing and developing. There's one part of Hebrews that says that for the time that you've been saved, you should be a seasoned saint. You should be a seasoned soldier. You should be able to take the word and explain it to anybody. But because of your immaturity and no progression, you have, you have need of somebody to take the milk of the word and teach you all over again. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And there's people like that in churches everywhere. People that's been saved years and years and years, but they're in the same spiritual state they was when they were born. They're still spiritual babies. Well, preacher, I've been saved and going to church 15 years, but you still got a pacifier in your mouth. You still have to have your own way. You still pitch a fit all the time. What do babies do? They mess their diapers. People are always having to clean up behind you. Preach it, Bishop, preach it. We're just going to get it all out of the way. This is the last Sunday of the year. Let's just get it all out. Amen? Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. You should not be at the same spiritual place in your life today that you was the last, last Sunday of the year. You should be further down the road. You should be so far further growing in your maturity and your development that you should be a teacher today and not a student. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, how does this apply to us? How does this apply to us? Well, here's the thing. We are not going to be pulled back into Judaism. We're, we don't have that issue. We're, we're not going to be pulled back into an old way of worship. But I will say this. We all have a tendency to be pulled back into an old lifestyle. Y'all going to be quiet today, ain't you? How many of y'all get tempted to do what you used to do every week? Amen. Tempted to live the way you used to live. Tempted to act the way you used to act. Tempted to speak like you used to speak. Tempted to be what you used to be. Well, thank God we don't, we don't need to be that. We can't be that. We've got to go forward. But I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say there are Christians today that I've seen singing the choir. And now they're not even in the house of God. I've seen Christians who at one point in their life was on fire for God. I'm talking about was so excited to be with God and around God's people. They couldn't wait for church. I mean, they would do anything and everything that was asked of them. I, man, I just want to be around God's people. And now you can't find them with the CIA and a bloodhound. What happened? I mean, what, what, did, 
Because see, this, this doesn't just happen overnight. You're not excited today and out tomorrow. It don't happen that way. Well, throughout the book of Hebrews, we know the main story is, is the writer trying to convince these people that Jesus is a better way. But there, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> there is a story in the story. There is a progression of truth that goes throughout this book of Hebrews in the middle of it that this is what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the fact that Jesus is better. I think we all know he's better. Amen? We all know faith is a better way. Here's what I want to talk about. How did they get there? How did they get to the place where they were on fire at one point and now they're totally out and totally away and totally denying the word of God? How did they get there? I've prayed with people. I've ministered to people who got away from God and got into a situation in their life and just a, just a terrible situation, a situation that they never dreamed in a million years, a million years that they would ever be in. And this was the statement. This was the statement. How did I get here? How did I end up in this place? How did I hit? Listen. How did I end up here? That's what we're going to talk about. Five different stages of this process that takes place. And I want to stop it in the beginning. If you're with me, say amen. Look in your Bibles in Hebrews chapter number one. Brother Brown, I know you've just had surgery. Anytime you need to stand up, you do whatever you got to do. I know, get relief. Amen. You're not going to bother me none at all, okay? All right. He ain't going to bother y'all either, is he? Amen. If you're not, we'll let you have surgery. Amen. All right. All right. Hebrews chapter number one. Now let's look. We're gonna, here's what I want to do. If you will help me, I mean, you can, you can read in the Bible you've got in your lap or you can look on the screen, but there's going to be three different portions of Scripture that we're going to go in unison right here quickly uh, uh, so we can see where we're going with this, all right? God, who at sundry times, where sundry means several or more than one, aren't you glad God came to talk to us more than once? If he didn't, many of us would be in trouble because we didn't listen the first time or the second time. Or, are y'all with me? God who at sundry times, several times, and in divers' manner, different ways and different fashions, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. But, watch this, he hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. By his son. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, capital W. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Jesus is the Word. Are y'all with me? He's the Word. Now watch in Hebrews 2. Now in, 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 in Hebrews 1, we see God has spoke. God has spoke. He has given us His Word. If you follow me, say amen. He has given us His Word. Now watch what it says. Therefore, since God has spoken... Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. The things which we have heard. Lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? So Hebrews 1 tells us God has spoken. Number two, we find in Hebrews 2 that we need to be careful how we receive the Word. And we need to take heed and receive it and be careful how we treat the Word of God. Now watch this in Hebrews 12. See that ye refuse not him that, what's that word? 
speaking. All right, God's speaking. God is speaking. Listen, I, I want to I uh, dis, dispel a myth. I've, I've even done this myself. I've even done this myself, and I was wrong. In this, and uh, God, would you speak to me? Why won't God speak to me? I'm waiting for God to speak. Ladies and gentlemen, he already has. He already has. He already, we're, we're waiting for this voice from heaven. You're not going to get no voice from heaven. This is louder. This is louder. God has spoken. It's not will he speak, if he speaks. He has spoken through his word. Now, how are we treating it? How are we treating his word in our life? But Hebrews 2 says, be careful. Be careful. Take heed to what you've heard. Take heed to the word, lest at any time we should let them slip. And the word slip means to drift away. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. And then it says, listen, whatever you do, before we close this book out, don't refuse him that speaketh. Let me give you a hint. Before you leave today, he's going to speak to you. The question is, what are you going to do with it? At the end of this book, he says, don't refuse him. Once you hear him speak to you, don't refuse him. Obey him. Be obedient to the word. Now, here we are. Here we are. Let's look at this progression. Because inside the whole book of Hebrews, he gives us the steps, the stages of backsliding. He gives the, the stages of how we end up from there to here. How we go from singing in the choir to falling in the mire. Are y'all with me? Say amen. First thing. First thing that happens. First thing that happens. Number one, we drift from the word we drift say that with me we we drift from the word he said take a more earnest heat lest we let them slip and the word slip means a drifting away how many y'all know drifting is 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 casual drifting doesn't happen over you don't just go bam bam it's a slow gradual process i grew up in in south florida on the beach I mean, I mean, my whole life, I, I grew up uh, by the ocean, and, and, and sometimes my, my, my mom would take me and my brother and my sister to the ocean, and, and, uh, and, and, and she was real cautious because there was an undertow and all that kind of stuff, so she wouldn't let us get past our knees. Well, you know, two rumbunctious little boys, we, that, that's not good enough, man. You can't have fun up to your knees, man. You can't do anything like that. So what we learned, uh, uh, and, and, and I'm ashamed of my rebellion, but what we learned is that if you would get down to your neck, even in knee-deep water. If you'd get down to your neck, she would think you're in the same spot. And as you, if you stay at your neck, she don't know how deep you are, and you can just keep scooting. Are y'all with me? It's what some of y'all are doing with God. You think he ain't paying attention, all right? And every now and then, mom would say, stand up, boys. Said, ooh, we're caught. And if we was over them kneecaps, you got a whooping. Say amen. But every now and then, she wouldn't be paying attention and, We'd be scooting out there, and that current would take us, and we'd be having a big time splashing and fighting and, and diving and having a good time. Now, all of a sudden, we look up, and we look to the beach where Mama was, and there was a strange woman. Who in the world was that? We're like, what in the world? Mom has left us. And then we look, and she's way down the beach with that look. <laughs> and you know what happened? We... And me and my brother said, how do we get? You know what happens in our Christian life? 
You know, that happens in our Christian life. We, we, we get so caught up. We're so busy. We're just having a good time. We're still going to church. We're still singing our songs. We're still carrying our Bible. But we just end up, and then we think, how, what, what, what? How did, I, how did I get here? I wouldn't have never said that before. I wouldn't have never acted and behaved that way before. I wouldn't, ever, I wouldn't be hanging out in a place like this. Before. How did I get? You, you drifted. How, how do we drift? How do we drift from the word that's been delivered to us? Here's how. It says in chapter 2, verse, verse, verse 1, it says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed. Be very careful how we treat this word that's been given to us, this word that God has spoken. Listen, any time we should let them, the word, slip. For if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we, if we, so great is salvation. Here's the thing. When you got saved, God gave you salvation. The question is, what are you doing with it? You don't, listen, there's not a works salvation, but salvation works. What does the Bible say? It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Y'all with me? Work it out. In other words, God put it in, and he wants you to work it out. God put peace in you, and he wants you to work it out. God put fulfillment in you, and he wants you to work it out. God put love in you, and he wants you to work it out. God put joy in you, and he wants you to work it out because the people around you need to see what he put in you. Amen. That's why it says, work out yourself. Now, this verse is saying we have people that are neglecting their salvation. How are, you, how are you treating the Word in your life? How are you treating the gift that God gave you? You know what I found out with neglect? Things fall apart. I love people. I love Brother Johnny, Brother Johnny Lawrence. Uh, he's got a Ford, uh, four-door four, four Ford, uh, a red four-wheel drive. And that baby, every time I see him, is spotless. I mean, he keeps it shiny. He, he does not neglect that truck, and it looks good. I don't have one that looks that good. <clears throat> Because mine's getting washed today. Say amen. You know, what they, you know what happens when stuff gets neglected? It falls apart. When, when you, you fail to change the oil, it falls apart. When you fail and neglect the house, the house falls apart. When you neglect a relationship, the relationship falls apart. Are y'all with me? How do we drift? We drift because of neglect. We neglect what God has given us. How do we do that, preacher? We drift from the Word. We neglect our time with God. We, we, listen, we neglect praying. We neglect reading. We neglect the Word that God has given us. And before long, and, and it happens, guys, it happens. Mercy, have mercy in heaven. It's not because we're bad people. It's not because we want to neglect it. It just happens because schedules go crazy, don't they? It's like going to the gym. It's like going to the gym. How many of y'all have ever had a gym membership? Raise your hand. Don't be shamed. All right. How many of y'all know they ask for a year ahead of time? A year commitment. You know why? They know you're going three weeks and you're going to quit. Y'all with me? Hey, listen, we have great plans. We're going to, we get our milkshakes. We get our vitamins. We buy that, that, that issue of Pump Magazine. Say amen. We go and buy, we go and buy that uh, treadmill and we're excited. And in three weeks, that treadmill becomes a coat hanger. You see it all the time. On, uh, they're, they're advertising on <laughs> barely 
used, barely used for sale. Don't go buy a new one. You can buy one that ain't, ain't never been used. Amen. Man, I was going to the gym, having a big time. Going with some guys at the church and just, I mean, really doing it too. I'm talking about and, and, and doing good and, 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 and all and, and had, a, had an appointment. We had the same time we went every day. And same, same time, same place, same everything. We was in a routine, had a habit going. Well, somebody had an emergency. I had to, I had to stop and do a, a, an appointment and, and help some folks. And I said, God, I couldn't go today. And then and, and, and before long, there was another emergency. And then I needed an emergency, say, man. And then it became easier not to go than it did to go. See, that's what happens with our Bible. We wake up and God's saying, Good morning. We don't take our time because we're busy. And this is, re- this is reality. This is real. We get busy. But the thing is, if we're too busy for God, we're too busy. And I found this out. If we, don't, if we start with him, we'll have plenty of time. But if we, if we put him on the back burner and say we'll get back to it, we never do. This is the most dangerous stage of them all. It starts with drifting, then it moves to doubting. Say that with me. It moves to doubting. doubting. He goes in. He goes in another chapter, and he begins to tell us about the nation of Israel, who's seen all God did in Egypt. In Hebrews chapter number three, he said, "The nation of Israel tempted me. The nation of Israel they 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 did not believe that I would do what I said I would do." Here's the here's the sad part about the nation of Israel. And here's, here's the sad part about most Christians today. They're just like that. God brings them out of Egypt with a strong hand. I'm talking about with incredible miracles. He brings them out. He brings them through the wilderness, feeds a manna from heaven, water out of a rock, does incredible miracles in the wilderness, doesn't let their clothes fall off their back. They, that never wore out. Their shoes never wore out. All of this blessing that God did and gets right up to the promised land in the land flowing with milk and honey, in the land uh, where there, there was houses they did not build, wells they did not dig, vineyards they did not plant. Uh, I, I'm talking about great pots of big two grown men had to carry them. Are y'all with y'all? Are y'all, y'all following me? All the blessings and provisions of God. Now, let me help you understand something. S- uh, songwriters have messed theology up big time because they are comparing Canaan with heaven. Canaan is not a type of heaven. There's no fighting in heaven. There's no bloodshed in heaven. There's no failure in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. There's no disobedience in heaven. Are y'all with me? Canaan is a type of the victorious Christian life. It's a type of rest in resting in the provision of God and in the power of God and the touch of God. And here we have Christians who are, they're saved, they're out of Egypt, but they haven't crossed over into the place of provision, into the place of rest, into the place of believing God because of their unbelief. Here's what the Bible says about the nation of Israel. They limited the Holy One of Israel. How, how, do, you, how do you limit a limitless God? How do, you, how, do you put a, how do you put a limit on a God who can do anything? How do you limit a God who is so powerful, he spoke everything that we can ever imagine into existence with the power of his voice? How do you limit a God like that? The word limit means to draw a line in the sand. God says, I want to do this and I want to do that. I want to bless you and I want to provide for you. I want to protect you. I want to give you all of these provisions. But this is what they said. We don't 
believe you. They limit him by their unbelief. Watch, how does this pertain to us? When we start drifting from our Bible, we start drifting our relationship from Christ, we'll, be, we'll begin to doubt who he, who he said he was. And here's what I think, here's what I think may be true. I may be wrong. I may be wrong, but I, I don't think so. I don't think, the, I don't think the nation of Israel doubted that God could. I think they doubted that he would. And because they had drifted so far away in their walk with him and their relationship with him, they were doubting that God would do what he said he would do. Now, before you get too critical on the nation of Israel, how many of y'all are doubting God this morning? How many of y'all are doubting God for that bill that he said he would take care of? How many are doubting God for that problem that he said he would solve? How many of you are doubting because you're in a valley so deep you can't see the other side? But God said, I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will do for you what you can't do for yourself. Oh, what about that bill, that thing that's come up that you can't handle? He said, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. But we're standing in unbelief and we're in a place of restlessness in the wilderness because we won't cross over and just believe God that God would do what he said he would do. So many of us have problems going to sleep at night because we're worried to death. What about this? What about the economy? What about this doctor's appointment? What about them crazy people in Washington? What about this and what about that? You know what that means? That means we're wandering around in the wilderness. When God says, I've got rest. I've got rest. Wouldn't rest be great? I was sitting over there in that chair, and I hope I didn't seem out of it for some of y'all. I hate because I love worshiping all three times. I'll sing with everybody because I want to worship with you just as much as I worship with the rest of our church family. But I just didn't have it in me. I just have enough wind. And I'll be honest with you, Spence, all I could think about was my bed. <laughs> oh, and Baptist bourbon, NyQuil. Amen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, you know, no other service has as much fun as we do in this one. I'm just telling you right now. And I was just sitting over there. I said, man, I can't wait. I, 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 I'm going to turn that fan wide open. It's going to be cool in there. And I'm going to get under all them covers. Man, I can't just poke my nose right out of that thing. And I'm going to just, I'm going to just rest. You know what? That's what God wants you to do with your problems and your issues and your needs, and your burdens, and your children, and your prayer requests. Well, you know what we do? We run around in the wilderness when God says, I've got rest for you. Now, why don't we get that rest? Because we won't believe. Because when we start drifting, when we start drifting, we start doubting. Say that with me. We start doubting. And then, then, then this happens. We become dull to the word. The third thing that takes place, we become dull to the word. We not only drift from the word and, and we doubt the word, but we become dull to the word. Look what it says. <clears throat> Hebrews 5.11 says, Of whom we have many things to say. I got a lot I want to tell you, the writer says. But it's hard for me to tell you because you're dull of hearing. The word dull means sluggish. It means, it means lethargic, lazy, if you will. You just can't get it. 
You hear it, but you just can't get it. He says, for when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principle, because the principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those that by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. The word means completion or maturity. You know what he's saying? You see, the milk of the word is the basics. The milk of the word is basically what Jesus did here on this earth. He died. He was born. He died. He suffered. He went in the ground, but he rose again. That's the milk. Some of us in here, that's as far as we've gotten with God. But what the writer is wanting to do is progress them to the place that they can get to the meat. What is the meat? It's what he's doing right now. We all know he died for us, but do you know he's living for you? He's living right now. He's alive, and he's on the throne giving intercession for you. He's up in heaven praying for you. Are you with me? See, we can't even grasp that because we're still on the bottle. We can't even grasp the fact that I don't need my preacher to pray for me because my Savior's praying for me. Now, it's good to have the preacher to pray for you, and I want you to pray for me. I asked you to pray for me before. But do you know right now in heaven, the Son is talking to the Father saying, Help him, Daddy. Help him. He's struggling. He can't breathe. He's got snot coming. Help him, Father. Help him. Do you realize that God is helping you and you can't stay where you are? You can't stay. Listen, if if all you know about God is Jesus loves me, this I know for my Bible tells me so, you're in bad shape. He says for the time. In other words, you've been saved long enough for the time you ought to be teachers. How many of y'all right now could take this book and go teach somebody? You know what you know what Hebrew says? You ought to be able to. You ought to. Unless you've been saved a matter of months or days. You ought to. But see, here's what happens. We drift from the word. We begin to doubt the word. So the point we get sluggish to the word. We're so far away from God by now, nothing, nothing is exciting to us. The preaching is dull. The singing is dull. The teaching is dull. We think everybody else is the problem. It's kind of like that, 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 that homeless man on the street that his little mischievous boys went up to. That's like some Buchanan's kids that do, amen? Hey, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. They're good boys, they're good boys. They don't take after their daddy whatsoever. They're good boys. They went and put that, that Limburger cheese, you know that stinky cheese, and put it in his mustache. And he wakes up from that park bench and says, my goodness, this park stinks. So he goes, he goes down the street, he goes down the street to another, to another alley. And he says, my goodness, this alley stinks. So he goes on down the street and goes all the way down by the pier and gets out there, maybe that salt air. He gets out and stands on that pier. He said, good gracious alive, this pier stinks. The whole world's stinking. You know what? It was him. And we blame God. We blame the church, we blame the preacher, we blame the church, we blame the choir leader, we blame everybody else when the problem is our own. 
And all God's people said, Then we get to the point, we not only become dull to the word, we begin to despise the word. You know, it's amazing. I've seen people that would go to meetings with me and be so excited about going just to, just to be in preaching again. And now they can sit 10 minutes in a church service and they start being mad and angry because they're not where they're supposed to be with God. And so now they're despising the word. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter number 10. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. What does that mean? You see, when God gave the law in the Old Testament, there were certain things you did that you could offer sacrifices for. There were certain sins that you commit that you could offer sacrifices for and get forgiveness for. Y'all with me? There was different types, different, different, you know, because, so don't, don't, don't let somebody tell you all sin is the same. Don't ever believe that. Sin is sin to God, but there is different consequences to different sins. So don't ever run around and say, I might as well do it because all sins are the same. You're, you're, you're cruising for bruising. Because there were sins, there were sins that were called presumptuous sins or willful sin. In other words, you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. You know what? The only, the only penalty for that was execution, death. Why do you think that when Nathan confronted David, that David fell on his face and begged for the mercy of God because he knew that was a presumptuous sin, that was a willful sin. And he said, oh, God, maybe God will have mercy upon me. What is the writer here in Hebrews trying to tell us? That when we're saved and we know God and we know right and we know wrong, and we willfully do it anyway. Guess what's coming? Judgment. Judgment. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. How much sore punishment suppose ye shall he thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again, the Lord shall judge who? His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. There's guys, there's guys, there's preachers posting stuff on Facebook and preaching stuff out of pulpits. God's not mad with you. God's not angry at you. If you're a child of God, you're okay. It doesn't matter. You're, sin does, you're all forgiven. It's all taken care of. But one thing they're leaving out is that there are consequences to forgiven sins. Yes, my sins were paid for on the cross, but there are still consequences to disobedience to God. One man said this, well, preacher, sin with a Christian is different than sin with a, with a, a, a lost man. I said, yes, it's worse. It's worse. Because the Bible says, whom the Lord loveth, here in Hebrews, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He chasteneth. That means, that's just old-fashioned Alabama term, whooping. How many of y'all grew up before timeout? Y'all know what I'm talking about, timeout? You got a whooping when you got in trouble? Raise your hand if you got whoopings. Yes, timeout, please. I told them before, only timeout took place, mom called timeout from whooping me, and dad started whooping me. Amen, that's the only timeout we knew. 
You see, when we get on this progress, we get on this train of disobedience, this train of backsliding, and this, this process. Do you know the whole time God's trying to get your attention? You see, he starts with a still, small voice because he don't want to do more to you than what's necessary. <coughs> you see, if, you, if, you're, if you're truly a good parent, it bothers you to have to correct your children. If you enjoy whipping your children, you got a problem. Somebody, needs, somebody else needs your children. It should bother you. And you should, you, should, you should try to do the very least amount of discipline to try to get their attention, whatever it takes. And that's the way God is. He'll start with a still, small voice. But if you keep going, that voice gets louder. That voice goes into a rebuke. And the rebuke goes into chastening. And the chastening becomes a scourging. Preacher, what are you saying? God's going to do whatever it takes. Preacher, you mean to tell me God will, God will punish me? That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If you belong to him. If you don't belong to him, if you don't belong to him, you're not going to be chasing, but you're in worse shape because you're on your way to hell. But if you do belong to him and you're willfully sinning and disobeying God, God will get your attention. When I, was, when I went to Bible college, some of y'all heard this story. But I'm running out of them, so that's the only one I got. Uh, my first semester, y'all know I'm from, South, I'm from South Florida, so it's like 60, 70, 80 degrees year-round, and, and it's wonderful. Say amen. And so I'm up here in South Carolina, and I wake up one morning, it's like 19 degrees. And I'm talking about God ain't in this. There's no way this is the will of God for my life. No way. And I'm about to freeze it. I got so homesick. I mean, I was homesick. I just stand up and watch the sky and watch planes fly south, wishing to God I was on Delta. Amen. I just wanted to go home. I finally get home. I finally get home and, and uh, I said, I ain't going back. I don't need to know all that junk. I know all I need to know. I'm not going back. Well, it come time to go back and and and. and I'm arguing with my mom and arguing with dad and, and rebelling, just, just getting angry. Went and moved out and, and moved in with my cousin. Went and joined the baseball team. Wasn't that stupid? A baseball team. Uh, some of the guys from high school I played with in high school, they, they, they got, it was like a summer league type deal thing, and we got there and we was playing. I ain't going back to school. I'm, I'm going to play baseball. We're going to have a good time. One day I was out and we was flying, hitting fly balls, shagging fly balls in the outfield, and and, uh, and they was hitting them out there, and we was just having a big time. And they hit me one, I was running hard as I could run, wide open. And I jumped up, and I caught the ball. And as soon as I caught the ball, I turned around, and I kissed the chain link fence. Wham! I'm talking about running wide open. I fell to the ground. I had blood going everywhere. It cut my face all two pieces. And I went to stand up, and I fell right back down on my back. And I'm looking straight up at the sky, blood going everywhere, looking up at the sky. And you know what I thought? If I was at school... Guess where I was two weeks later? With scars on my face. Preacher, what are you saying? I don't think that's just a coincidence. It didn't matter. I was back at school. You can believe what you want to believe, but I'm telling you, God can get your attention. God can use the law to get your attention. God can use a chain link fence out in a baseball field to get your attention. God can use a child to get your attention. God uses all kind of ways. But I promise you this. If you belong to him, he's going to get your attention. 
And if you're not where you're supposed to be, he's going to get your attention to bring you back. Because you can't stay out there and despise the word and defy the word and refuse to come back to his wooing because he will call you home. There's enough scripture that teaches us he will call you home. But I got good news. It don't have to get there. You know what the Bible says? That if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if I come to him, he will come to me. And all God's people said, let's do this. Let's start this year outright. Let's, let's get back to the word. Let's get back to our relationship with him. Let's get back to believing him. Let's get back to walking with him and fellowshipping with him. And listen, having a close, intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and his word and through his word. And let's, let's be what God wants us to be. Because I guarantee you, the blessings of God are a lot better than the beatings of God. Ask Jonah. And all God's people said, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to help us. Help us to trust you. Help us to believe you. Help us not to neglect your word. Help us not to neglect the scriptures that you've given us so, so important that they, they lead our life and guide our life. They are a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. God, I pray that you'll guide and direct every person in here, whatever they need to do. There's some folks that need to come to this altar right now and, and do business with you. You're here to listen. You're here to touch. You're here to help. You're here to forgive. You're here to wash their sins white as snow. I pray that they'll come and find a place and do business with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. This is our policy. If you need to talk to God and just you and him, you don't want nobody to bother you, you don't want nobody to interrupt you, if you'll come to my side, this, my left side over here, they won't nobody bother you. You can just pray and it'll be you and God. But if you need to pray and you need somebody to help you, you come to this side over here and there'll be somebody to greet you and pray with you. Maybe you need to be saved. You need somebody to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. You come to this side. Maybe you need to